Good afternoon, everybody. Happy New Year to you. Kind of a somber New Year. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to beat around the bush. It's a pretty, uh, pretty tough blow we heard this morning. We uh, sort of lost a national basketball icon. A lot of people still kind of don't know how to feel about that. We're hearing about a confirmed case of uh, a, a viral outbreak in Santa Ana. It's great. <laughs> uh, some, some of us have been to a funeral of a very tragic event in this last week. Um, it's been a rough week overall. And I can't really think of any other response uh, for us other than to just pray before we uh, get started. Heavenly Father, we don't always have the answers. We don't always know what to think, how to feel, what to say. Our hearts are broken in one way or another. We are all affected to some degree, either by worldwide, national, or personal tragedies uh, in this last week. And as a culture, you know that we tend to ignore these things and try to glaze over uh, the mourning process quite quickly because it's an inconvenience. But Lord, you know our souls, that they are tattered, they are torn, they are worn. So God, would you come and be with us? We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come into this room to fill our hearts, to give us hope once again that we serve the God of life the God of comfort, the God of healing. We know that Jesus, you conquered death and you give the hope for a new life, a new world, a new community. So Lord, will you fill us with that hope once again as we meet with you in your word, as we meet with one another, as we comfort one another, as we sing together, as we stand together, as we love one another. Will you show us how to be that community of people Lord, because we know that sometimes when the world seems the darkest, that is when the light shines the brightest. So, Lord, will you be that light once again in our, in our minds, in our hearts, as we come together as a community to show the world that there is still hope, that the world still moves forward, that we never forget the past, but that we are looking forward to something even greater than what life has to offer us here. And we turn our attention to your word now, Lord. We pray that you will fill us with that hope. We'll fill, that you'll fill us with courage, with strength, and with genuine love and passion to see your kingdom built in this world, in this nation, and in our very community here. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are wrapping up a four, four, five Five sermon series? What is this, Tony? I don't know, four? Something like that. We're wrapping up a, a series in uh, the latter part of 1 Corinthians uh, called Our North Point. And the big question that we wanted to tackle is how do we know where to go as Christians? How do we know as a community, as a church, that we are in God's will, that we are going in the direction that God needs us to be? And we find uh, several clear, helpful things that this gentleman named Paul, who happened to be an apostle, <laughs> had a revelation of Jesus Christ, uh, had said to a church in response to many questions that they had. 
Today's main point uh, will be that we are seeking to build up the community. That is the main point. I will put it out there up front. And I'm going to have to work my way back a little bit to kind of prove this point, or to show this point, rather. I'd like to kind of take a moment, kind of step back and look at what Jesus is actually doing on this earth, okay? Uh, what he has done, what he is doing. Uh, King Jesus, okay, once again, he is God, came, died for us, rose again, and in the midst of all of that process in the New Testament, he has this promise for us as 21st century believers. And he, he says, I am going up to the Father in heaven, sit where I should on the right hand of the Father on the throne, but I am going to send my spirit and empower each and every person who is downcast, who is broken, who is hopeless, who is confused, who is lost. I am going to send my spirit and empower you to continue to do the work of loving others, of caring for others, of recreating this earth, of establishing the kingdom of God here in the present age. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And now we come to this church in Corinth. This is uh, modern-day Greece that was established by Paul. And, and, and Paul is writing in response to many things that he's hearing about this church, not this church here, but that church then, that people were not really acting towards one another in love. It seemed like, oh, there's this like, sort of carelessness that people had about each other. There was this individualism. There was this competition. It did not look like a community that was marked by love. It did not look like a community of Jesus that they knew, this sacrificial Jesus, this loving Jesus, this Jesus that would die to be with his people. And so there's many questions that they bring up. These people were sleeping with each other, suing each other. I mean, this did not look like what we'd think of as the church. We think of like, well, it should be people who love each other. And he reminds, uh, he reminds them that, hey, remember back in the days of Acts, if you were to read the book of Acts, you had the Holy Spirit come into you. You spoke in many different tongues. If we were to look in Acts chapter 2, this was the first thing that happened when they received the Holy Spirit. It was a bunch of scared Christians that got together and they're like, I don't know, we saw Jesus, he just ascended. Let's just pray and we'll just pray and pray like, Jesus, we need you, we need you. And all of a sudden there's this rush of wind that comes in and all of a sudden they look up and they see these tongues on fire and they're like, Okay, Jesus, we really need you now because some aliens going to attack us right now. I don't know what that is. It's a flaming tongue. I don't know what that means. But all of a sudden, they were speaking in different languages, and they were going out and sharing with people who were different from themselves. And they were going out like, uh, buenos dias, uh, Jesus Cristo, el rey. And, and, and people are like, hey, I know what he said. He just said that Jesus is the king. And, and he said it in my language, but he's not like me. That's weird. And suddenly, there was this worldwide boom. All of a sudden, it went from maybe close to a handful or maybe a hundred Christians, people who followed Jesus, to suddenly three, four, five thousand, thousands by the weeks right after that event that was called Pentecost, right? Crazy stuff. But now, this is a few years later, a few decades go by, and now the church is kind of forgetting the way of Jesus. They're forgetting about the hope. They're forgetting about the love. And they're kind of reverting back to, well, I think that I'm a little bit better than this guy. I'm a little holier than her. Why is she wearing that? Why is he like this? I'm smarter than there, but not quite here. And they just get lost in all that's going on around them. And so Paul writes to them, and he's like, look, let me remind you in each case what is going on, that God is actually working in you. Can I share something uh, that I, I know for sure that God is still working, even in the midst of, like, lots of bad news? I'm encouraged. Right before this uh, service, 
Uh, now, I wasn't here last week. Uh, I was in the mountains with a bunch of youth. I'm the youth pastor, um, so that's where I have to be in the mountains <laughs> with the youth. We got to see something amazing. When God shows up and works, it's like mind-blowing. Now, for about two years, the last two years, I've been like beating my head over like how does that expression go? I don't know. I was hitting my head. I didn't actually literally hit my head. But, you know, in my mind, I'm like, wow, what, what is going on? The youth of the next generation, they're just so, duh. You know, it's like, like they're, they don't care. I'm like, how was the message? They're like, oh, yeah, I had a lot of messages. You know, I'm like, no, no, no. How was, like, you know, did, what, what spoke to you? Did you like this? Did you like that? Did you, you know, did you, did you hear something from God? Nothing. They wouldn't sing for two years. It was like the quietest trailer over there. I kid you not. You walk over there, and we're, like, trying everything. Like, God, we love you. We need you. And most of them are like, are we done now? Okay. When we were up there last week on Saturday, there was a message that was given. It wasn't really even a mind-blowing message or anything. It's probably something we've all heard if you've been around the church for a while, you know. But yet, one by one, these kids were standing up and crying and asking to receive prayer, and they were praying for each other. And by the end, we were worshiping, and all of them sang. I kid you not, like, all but maybe one kid. I will find who that kid is. I will find that one. I will not stop until he comes home. Okay, but... I kid you not, the worship team just stopped. It was down to an acoustic, and it was just their voices. And, and it was like, uh, yeah, Danny was there as well. He, he was like, dude, it was like a wall fell. It was crazy. It was this invisible barrier that we could not see. And suddenly, I would ask even the quietest ones, I'm like, hey, you know, what, what you thinking about? You know, what do you think of the message? And, and they're like, I need to change. I need Jesus. I'm like, whoa, whoa, this is crazy. Like, all of a sudden, there was not a particular moment. We weren't feeling as a team particularly spiritual or anything. We we're just like, God, can you? Yeah, I'm out, man. I don't know. Can you just show up and do something? I don't know what to do. I really don't. And we didn't as a whole church, as a team. Like, even Pastor Tony admitted, he's like, oh, we guys just got to pray. I don't know. I'm out. You know, shout of tricks. I've got nothing. But Jesus showed up. And I just had a mom just before this service come over to me. And he's like, she's like, can I just talk to you? We're real. I'm like, well, I got to go, you know, it's read this thing and you know and she's like I promise it's just a second and she was in tears she's like I just want to share like last weekend my, my sons came home and they, they would not stop talking about their experience with God and they would not stop talking about like how excited they were about you know the retreat and the things they've learned and and they're excited to come back and want to hear more like they're watching sermons and listening more and they're like they're just they're thirsty for the word of God and that's exciting so I just wanted to share that. Uh, just, just when, when God shows up, like, it's, it really is amazing. It's astounding. So I wanted to share that just to encourage you. But also, it does tie into the message quite well. Hi, come on in. It's a good time to come in. That's a nice, nice oh, yeah, and you. That's, that looks good. Yeah, that's good. You look like Lee C, actually. It's <laughs> come on in, come on in. So God shows up. Right? He shows up, and, and he works. Not only does he just show up, and everybody has this experience emotionally, where it's like, I love you, God. I love you, everybody. It's so great. But he actually uses us. He empowers us to empower and encourage and exhort and to do all this with one another. Okay? Jesus' ministry continues. It's not just some personal thing. It was not just some, like, I guarantee if any of one of those kids went into the mountains by themselves and sat in a room just like we did, Nothing would probably happen. It was that we were all together and everybody could see and not deny that God was at work. 
So in this church in Corinth, we have a bunch of people who, yes, they've accepted Jesus. Yes, they've had that emotional experience. But, and they were given these gifts of teaching and of comfort and of healing. But they were not really using them to the fullest of the degree. In fact, they were saying like, well, you know, I'm a better teacher than her. And some people were saying, well, you know, he's, he's better at comforting. I, I love going to this person, not that person. And there was more division. So Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, hey, let me remind you of what these gifts are for. They're given by the Spirit. Okay, this is just a quick recap of the last two chapters. And I'll get 14. And it's actually a pretty short message after that. 1 Corinthians 12, he's talking about, hey, these gifts are given by the Spirit of God. Don't forget. Don't forget who saved you. Don't forget who is, who, whose spirit you are carrying. It is the Holy Spirit of God. It is not of you and yourself, okay? Secondly, they are not to be used just for yourself. They are for who? Everyone. It is for a community. You see, Jesus actually was recreating humankind in a sense, he envisioned and empowers us to build this new community. In fact, the Bible ends with a new earth, literally. We don't die and like go up into heaven and you know like play harps, but literally, John said, no, I saw this vision of a new earth coming down to us. That's crazy. There's a new community of people who are looking out for each other, who are seeking to love and build up one another, and that's what Paul gets into next in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Who was here last week with Pastor Tony? Raise your hand so I know. Okay, I wasn't here. I don't know. I, I didn't watch the YouTube video. Okay, I'm sorry, tech team. I'm sorry. Was there one? I didn't see it. I looked. Mm, mm, we'll talk. Okay, we'll talk. <laughs> You'll be so convicted by the end of this message. You'll be like, I'll post them all up today. First Corinthians 13 is a chapter about love, right? I, he, said, he did preach on that, right? Okay, and it was about love? Okay, thank God, it should be, because that's like the biggest thing. He stops in the midst of everything. He's like, desire these gifts, church. I want you to be built up. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be led and convicted, and I want you to be free. But at the same time, I want you to desire this thing. This is the motivation. This is where we are headed, is love. That everything we do as a church should be out of love. And that's where we find ourselves at the very end of chapter 13, which I'll reference again in a few moments. That love is the aim, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is where we find ourselves today. So open up your Bibles to 14. Chapter 14, verse 1. We're going to go through verse 12. And then we'll sort of break this down. So he continues on from 13 into this. And ends with this. Chapter 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Especially prophecy. For if anyone speaks in a tongue, does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people in their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds up themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies or builds up the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will it be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even if I, in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as a pipe or a harp, how will any one of them uh, know what is in tune what is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes. Again, the trumpet does not sound a clear call. If the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? 
so it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there will be all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to that speaker, and the, fo and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Dang, we have already prayed. Let's dive right into it. I'm going to frame this sermon largely on the three imperatives or the commands that we have from Paul. Okay? The very first one that we find is pursue love or follow the way of love. Okay? As a church, how do we know our north point? As Pastor Tony said last week, uh, one of the aims in our ministry is love. We do not do anything or we should not do anything as Christians and as a community without kind of double-checking the motivations or what is behind things. And that should be in love, and that's in 1 Corinthians 13. That means, uh, very simple, uh, this is a very simple and short point, but that as we interact with each other in small groups, as we make decisions as deacons or as elders in the church, as we are in discipleship relationships, as we're talking and walking together in life, we should double-check why am I really doing what I'm doing right now? Why am I having this conversation? Is it because I want you to like me more? Is it because I want you to think I'm smart because I know lots of cool things? Is it because I'm lonely and I need you for something? Or is it truly selfless? Because as we read through the description of what love looks like in the great love chapter, it seems as though that sort of love, that agape love, is more selfless. We're not doing things out of some sort of individual or consumerist gain. I want to do this because, and so when we, when, we, when we check ourselves like that constantly as a church, we know that we are on track or this, I'm going to paint a picture, okay, and I'm going to keep referencing this, so pay attention, this sort of route or this road of love. Okay, picture, a, picture your favorite freeway traffic. Okay, no, don't, not traffic. <laughs> picture your favorite freeway. You don't have one. Okay, picture your favorite road. You don't have one. Okay, picture a route. Okay, maybe it's in the forest and it's like this nice little paved area. Okay, that's much better. There's a ton of traffic on it. Okay, that is the road that we must follow as a church, as a community of believers, and as individuals following after Jesus. And that is paved by love, and the destination is love. Okay, the destination is Jesus. Okay, now when do we notice we start going off-roading? Okay, so when we don't see ourselves and our church lining up with some of these descriptions that we see in 1 Corinthians 13, when we're impatient with each other, when we start comparing each other, when we start doing things by ourselves, when we start doing things because we want individual gain, we start going off-roading, we are not pursuing the way of love, we're pursuing our own sort of route. So it's important when we talk about North Point that we are constantly uh, pursuing, as Paul says, the way of love. But this was the kind of conundrum to me, or the sort of, that is the right word, I'm not sure. This was what was confusing to me, okay, because he says, okay, follow the way of love and eagerly desire these gifts. So how does gifts, how do these gifts of the Spirit, like we're so confused about this, how does this sort of play into everything? He says, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For if anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God, indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophecies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. 
okay, wait a minute, Paul. So we have gifts. We're a church. We're a community of different people with different abilities and talents. Okay, we're the Avengers. I got it. You want us to love and go after love, and that's sort of the route no matter where it goes. Whether it's in the mountains, whether it's in the valleys, in the swamps, it can be a scary place. Sometimes love is like, okay, great, everything's joyful. Sometimes not so much. How am I supposed to know where to go? And and what is this thing about prophecy and and how does this all play into everything? Well, what he's doing is is very clever. He he compares and contrasts two different gifts within the church, okay? And I I have to be sensitive about this because some people have these, these gifts. He compares prophecy and the gift of tongues, okay? He says, pray, especially seek after the gift of prophecy. What is the gift of prophecy? Okay, I have to step back and take a teaching moment. Prophecy, what is prophecy? Prophecy has two sort of functions. The first thing that we generally think is like a movie, like there was a prophecy, you know, and it's like the Tesseract, you need to find the Tesseract, or something like that, right? There's some sort of oracle that's given, or like the Craggle, or whatever it is in the Lego movie, right? We always think of that. Or we think of the Old Testament where it's like, let's say it, the Lord, y'all going to die, right? And it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, and it's this crazy thing, like some sort of future event, like, you know. So that is one function, yes, that there is a prophecy that is given a foretelling, if you will, into the future. We see that especially in the Old Testament. Okay, but the other function of the Old Testament prophets and the prophets of today, if you will, is, is a truth-telling. It is what is in the darkness will be brought to light. Okay, does that make sense? So it is a truth-telling. And as we could see in in verse 4, he says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Just before that, in verse 3, he says, it's for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So people with this gift can walk up, hear another believer, and say, you know, I think this is what's going on in your life right now. I think... You saying you want this, or you just want to be free, or you want, you know, you have Wanderlust or whatever, you want to go travel the world. But I think here's really what's going on in your heart. And they can almost like nail down the thoughts in the back of your head that you're like, I'm not telling anyone, this is really what's going on in my family, this is really what's going on in my life, but I'm going to just, you know, I think I just want to go do my own thing over here. But the gift of prophecy comes in, it's like, ah, I feel like. Like, this is what's really going on, and, and they're dead on. But it's not in a way that's guilting or shaming you, okay? I've had these experiences where people uh, who claim, bless you, to have the, the gift of prophecy kind of come up, and they're like, you know, I think this is what it is, and you're a sinful dirtbag. And, you know, it's basically they might as well have just spit in my face. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, yeah, I'm slightly, now I just feel guilty. And like, okay, everybody's looking at me. Am I a sinful dirtbag? I don't know. I am. But... But then I've also had people, okay, filled with the Spirit who come and talk and are able to convict me of sin, something that I am hiding from God or hiding from people, and it just, it's brought to light, and I just feel free. Yeah, I feel like, oh, dang, I got the wind knocked out of me just now, but you're right, I can't deny the truth. And so what Paul is saying is like, hey, seek after these kinds of gifts because the more of that, the more saturation of what's going on in people's hearts, darkness will be brought to light, okay, versus the gift of tongues. Now, again, here's where I want to be sensitive, okay, because some people, I know some people here may have the gift of tongues, okay, and, uh, and, and here's what it means, basically, okay, literally the word is glossia, okay, it's, uh, that just means tongues, okay, and it can mean two different things, okay, one, different languages, it's where we get the word glossary. Does that make sense? Let me work out. What does that mean? Okay, yeah. 
It's a, it's a language, okay? Speaking in different languages. That's what we saw in Acts chapter 2, and they were speaking different languages. So some people, Spanish or German, those weren't even probably languages then, <laughs> right? But they came in, blah, 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 blah. So I speak a few languages. You all speak a few different tongues, sure. The other, uh, the other reference to tongues can be angelic language, okay? A, a lot of times uh, known as, like, ecstatic speaking. And this was very common, uh, actually, amongst even pagans, okay, where people would come out and they'd be like, oh, I'm speaking this unknown tongue, blah, 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 and I don't even know how it sounds, okay. And, and they've had this experience, and, and it, to them it is very personal, and they're like, oh, I have all these thoughts and feelings that are flowing through me, and it's a very personal thing, okay. Now, there are two camps currently, <laughs> uh, major camps at least, in Protestant uh, culture today, in church culture, there's one camp and one type of church that says that doesn't exist anymore. That was, you know, for like the second uh, chapter of Acts and that's it. You know, it was just so that people could hear the gospel and that was great. Okay. The other camp says this, that unless you speak like that, you're not really saved. You know, like the Holy Spirit kind of comes and goes like, and whenever he comes in, it's like, or and he has his own language, right? So those are the two different camps. I, I, I personally position myself where the Bible says kind of in the middle, okay? Not to say like, oh, I'm better than them or anything, but my interpretation is that, well, yeah, some people can still have that. I've met people who have that personal experience where they can speak in a language that I don't know, they don't know, I don't know if anybody knows, but to them it's very personal, and it's like this direct connection with God. And Paul himself even says, I speak in tongues more than all of you, and I, man, I wish that you could. But when it comes to the purpose of building up the church, it really doesn't do a whole lot. Why? Because there's no understanding. When God truly is speaking to a community, to a church, there will always be clarity and truth. I myself have had some sort of, uh, I, I had one time where I, I felt like I had it, and it was like this weird fluttering, and I was like, I don't know what's happening, I'm scared, and then I'm like, I don't want this, you know, so, so I was like, I don't know what happened, right, and then, so it doesn't mean I rejected God or anything, but it's like, okay, maybe you don't want that gift, all right, it's, it's, can I return it, I, I'll take, I don't know, something else, you want celibacy, no, no, I'll take marriage, you know, okay, <laughs> okay, but for some people, that is a big deal, now, the big point that, that Paul is getting at here to uh, compare and contrast these two, and he's not saying like, okay, you know, this one sucks. In your 21st century minds, that's probably what you're thinking. Like, okay, so prophecy is the best, and that means you should hate all the other ones because that's how we think. Like, oh, you're this political party, so you hate all these people. No, that's not true. Don't jump to conclusions here. What he is saying is seek the gifts in the church, the people to rise up that are going to build up and point them back to this road of love. That is what you are pursuing. So seek that we will have these things uh, in place that will always bring us from the off-roading, <laughs> okay, back on the road of love. Speaking in tongues, he's like, yeah, that's great for yourself. And maybe there are times when you're by yourself that, you know, you need to have that connection with God. Great. But if you're doing that uh, and, and others don't understand, then it's kind of pointless for them. You're not really looking out for them, are you? Hmm. Okay. Let me give you a little bit more of a, a clear picture of how we get back onto this road of love. Okay, I'm going to use some street signs, okay? He used a bugle and some other things. Can we get that, uh, can we get that uh, PowerPoint up? This is a partially a driver's test for you. Okay, who here has done well on the written exam? No one, all right, great. <laughs> um, you are free to leave before me. I will wait till you're all out. Okay, what does this sign mean? No going back. That's right. <laughs> There's no going back. All right, next one. Merge. Very good. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, might need your eyes checked for that one. I don't know. Okay, next one. Next one. Yeah, greater than. Yeah, greater than. That's right. That's <laughs> greater than. Okay, next one. Octopus cars. I see octopus cars. They are coming. I don't know. Is that slippery or is that curved road? I'm creating division in the church right now. I don't know. I don't know what it means. I should, <laughs> they're going to revoke my license if I say this on camera. I don't know what it means. I'm just careful. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't apply to me because I usually have other people in my car. Okay, what does this mean? Slow down. California roll. <laughs> Look both the way. Okay, just stop there. Stop there for a minute. Okay, stop there for a minute. All of these signs are very helpful for us, are they not? Now, let me ask you, when you get on the road to go to your destination, do you get on the road for these signs? No. Oh, you do? I mean, you must be really bored. Like, I haven't seen a stop sign in a while. No, we, they are there. They are helpful. And their, their purpose is to get us back on the road towards the destination that we are going towards. Okay? They are all very helpful. And we need them. And we want them. And we can, as people go to the city and say, hey, this is a school area. We'd like a school sign made. Right? And this, and this, you know, the district will take four years and probably eventually get to it. I don't know how long these bureaucracies take, right? You would think that if there's a blind corner, what would you want? A sign that's like, hey, warning, watch out. This is coming up. You all know what a blind corner is, right? It's like you don't see what's coming and then, boom, a big rig hits you, right? So you need some sort of like flashing lights and like warning, this is a big deal. Now, in the same way, God gives us different gifts and abilities for us as believers to keep us on this road of love. Does that make sense? So for some of us, if we have like the gift of exhortation, who are saying like, stop right there a minute, <laughs> right? You might not want to go down this path, brother, sister. I I'm sensing a lot of anger. You should be careful here. You don't want to fall into sin. You don't want to go off-roading. Look both ways. What route are you on? For some of us, you might feel like I'm just the, whatever, the greater than symbol. I don't know what that's called, the turn. You're going to turn your car. Okay, and it's just a little nudge, right? You, you, maybe it's, you might think like, it's not even needed. Like, why do we even need this? Well, when it's nighttime and you're driving and you don't see, and then all of a sudden you see these big yellow things, that are, and there's usually a lot of them, they're like, <laughs> and, and you're like, <laughs> right? And you don't see and you go, right? They're very helpful. And some of you might be like, you know, I don't have any of the big flashy gifts. I'm not a stop sign. I'm not like a, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a preacher, a teacher. I'm not admin. I don't, I don't know. But I, you know, I like to just help people and be around and be available for people. Hey, that's a gift from God. There are some of you that, uh, that you know who are in our midst who have very strong gifts of comfort and just being able to come alongside a brother or sister and sit with them and say, how are you? And you're like, oh, I'm well. And then. They're like, how are you really? And you're like, <laughs> and you just like, you just like break down. You're like, you're like, I, you know, I just need somebody to pray for me. And they'll just pray for you. And they've been doing this for 20 years. You know, you probably know who I'm talking about at this point, right? For those of you who have been touched by them, right? So each sign is a little bit different. But the whole point of them is not, you don't go driving looking for signs. It's not like Pokemon signs. You know, you, you, they're there to help you get back on the road of love towards Jesus. Okay. Now, let me show you the next sign. What is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what would you do in this situation? Uh, uh, Thor's hammer? I don't know what's happening. Right? Now, this is a sign from another country. 
Okay, this is a sign from, not Germany, it's from the, <laughs> you guys always think it's something from Germany. Okay. Just because I'm German doesn't mean I bring, I think about it all the time or something. Okay, this is from the UK, all right, this is from the UK. And now if you posted this, beware, that's a good guess. I'll show you, what, okay, just show them what it is. They're going to ask. All right, T-junction with priority over vehicles from the right. All right, that's, I still don't even know what that is. All right, so if you posted this and you explained it, I still would fail. I think I get it. It's like they're coming and you got to watch because they drive on the, I don't know. I don't know what it means. Anyway, the point is not this, okay? Get it off the screen because just, they're going to keep staring at this. Just stop it. Okay, yeah, go back to the spinning thing. The point here is that if you posted this sort of sign, right, it has meaning for some people, but not everyone. So it's not very helpful. And if anything, it's going to freak them out, okay, right? In the same way, Paul's like, look, if you guys were all just talking in tongues all the time and you brought new people into the church, they're going to be like, what's this about? And I'd probably be like, yeah, let's go get Boba, actually, <laughs> right? But the whole point of having these gifts is to point people back to God. Now, again, that's not saying, like, those, that's a bad sign or, like, having that gift is bad. No, not at all. But the idea here is that we come together to push each other back towards the road of love, and that's investing in each other's lives and using the gifts that we have to get people back onto this road. Okay? Using the sign that God has given you, the road sign, if you will, the gift that God has given you to encourage, to comfort, to push. You come here as a community to help one another and to love one another and to push each other. The, each week is different for everybody. Okay? Some people I talked to just before service, they're, they're just like, well, what, I'm, I actually had a great week. It was a great New Year's. We had fun. Some people have been through a lot. It's like, dude, this was like one of the worst weeks of my life. I'm like, hmm. But we come together as a church to love and to comfort one another, to instruct one another. Some people are like so far gone and they need somebody to come in and be like, hey, can I just, you know, you can make a U-turn right here. <laughs> I am the U-turn sign. You need to come on, come on back to Jesus and you know that you have that gift in you. But again, if I were to just post up maybe my address, like if I just said like 6392, you'd be a little bit confused. Now it's very personal for me. If I put 6392 along the road, I'd be, mm, my whole travel would be like, oh, home, oh, yeah, my, ki my kids, my kid, one of them, <laughs> my, oh, my wife, oh, I love my wife, right? It's personal for me, but for the rest of you, are like, 632, babe, what's 632, Google that, you know, you don't know what it is, okay? I think the point is clear. So we come together as a church to build one another up. That is the last thing that Paul uh, writes in this, pa in this passage that we've read so far. So it is with you, since you are eager for these gifts, these signs of the Spirit, okay, these gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church, okay? So there's two things that I want to bring to your attention before we close in prayer. One, this does kind of beg the, catch, the, the question, are you actually using the gifts that God has given you? Are you actually using them to the fullest potential? Do you actually seek them? Do you know that you can ask God for gifts? Do you know that? Or do you think it's just hardwired into you? Do you realize that, hey, if there is a need in this community, we can, as a people of God, go to God and say, God, we've realized that we don't have enough people with hospitality. We're not very good at welcoming the stranger in to our midst. We're just like, oh, stranger danger, stranger, hi. <laughs> There's tea after sit over there, right? No. 
we realize that, hey, we can actually go to God and say, God, will you please raise up in some of us this, this ability? It might not be for everybody, okay? We're not all Superman here, okay? And I thank God for that because I would be so stressed out if I was expected to help and teach and preach and comfort and heal and welcome and all of that. Just before service, I was like, oh, man, who's going to do this? And somebody jumped over and, and welcomed a new person. Somebody else, like I didn't know Pastor Tony. I totally forgot he was going to come up and pray. I was like... I go up and pray, and then I heard him. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go sit down over here. I'll just pray right here, right? And I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God for the people around you and the gifts that we have. So it's not all on you. But why don't we do this? Why don't we seek after gifts? Why don't we seek after building up of the community? Why don't we seek after pushing each other onto the road of love? Three things. One, we are in a very consumerist mindset. When we go to church, I want to know what's best for me and my life. Very rarely do we go to church, and when we think of church, we usually think of brick and mortar. The New Testament never says that. The New Testament always uses the word ecclesia as the people, when you go to the people. Okay? We, we don't think of, when I go to this people, this group, this congregation of, how do I boost and, and lift somebody else up today? We very rarely do that. At least I know I do, like shamefully I say. I'm usually worried about, okay, I got to teach, I got to preach, I got I to do, you know, lead and do some other things. And am I spot on? Right? That's my second point is that we're in a very competitive mindset. Okay? So one, you're in a consumerist mindset being in America. You're looking for what's best, what's the cheapest price, what's the quickest route. What's the best for me? How can I take these points away? And after a sermon, sometimes, you know, there are people like, no, oh, yeah, it was okay. It, was, it didn't really mean anything for me. Well, maybe it meant something for somebody next to you. And we're just here to pray for them and support them. But secondly, we're in a competitive atmosphere. I mean, we were born and bred into that. Go get your degree. Go to the best university. If you don't get in there, you better cry because, man, that was your whole life. Game over. We're in a very competitive atmosphere, and we may look around at each other sometimes and think, you know, ah, yeah, he's pretty strong at this, but I'm, I think I'm a little bit better, so I think I'll do that because I'm, I'm better than that person. No, that's not what the community of God, that's not what the community of Jesus looks like. And thirdly, we have to get over a comparative mindset where we're constantly looking around, shifting around, like, what do they think of me? And, you know, between the two of us, do people like me more like that or... It's not about you. You're a sign, right? Your whole point is to get people back on the road. Get them on the road towards Jesus. Now, here's the cool thing that we could do to overcome these things. One, we consider Jesus' love for us. Now, at a personal level, yeah, that's what we have to do. Sometimes I, I go crazy even with some of you guys. Okay, I love you guys very much. But yeah, do we, do we all kind of sometimes ruffle each other's feathers? Of course, we're all very different. We forget about things like this. Okay, some of you are even snickering like, yeah, I got that thing. <laughs> right? We are human. But that's why Jesus is our focal point. That is why we always go back to him who loved his enemy. Try praying for somebody else. Not, I mean, maybe, not, maybe you're too, not bold enough to go to them right now, but praying for your enemy. There are people in this church that sometimes I've like had arguments with, and I'm like, I don't want to pray for them, but I just sense that God is like, mm, what about this person? I'm like, nope, I got nope, nope, nothing to say. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. Okay, I pray for him. I pray for her. Try praying for them, and watch how God just melts your heart. 
remembering when you stand before Jesus what he did for you. But secondly, here's the cool thing about the community that God is building in our presence. Okay, we're reminded that when the church is built up, that we are all built up. Do this real for me real quick. You don't have to lock eyes, but maybe just glance over at the person on your left and on your right. Okay, just glance over real quick, yeah. Bonnie, I'm here. I'm on your right. Nobody looked at me when I did this last time. I'm still a person, okay? I'm still, I know I'm here, but come on, all right? I'm like at the end of every aisle, and everybody's like, okay, there's just a right or a left, and that's it, okay. Okay, imagine the community like this. Imagine the community of God where everybody on your left and your right, okay, is looking out for your best interests and how to push you back onto the road of love. And imagine that you are here for the person on the left and on your right and how you can best help and instruct and exhort and prophecy and all of it and love and encourage the people on your right or your left. And when you're focused on doing that and pushing them back onto this, this route of love, you're less focused on yourself and thinking about, oh, you know, well, they never do that for me. You don't have to worry about that. You know that this whole community is saturated with people who are going to love one another constantly. That was Jesus' prayer for us. Father, make them one as you and I are one. That's a, that's a really bold prayer, and that's a hard one. Because we as humans have so many things that we're like, no, but there's so many barriers and boundaries that I can draw easily. But in tearing himself apart, Jesus brought us together. And he seeks for that. God, make them one as you and I are one. So seek after the building up of this church, and you yourself will also be built up. You don't have to worry so much about striving to be the best at something. You're already loved and accepted by Jesus, and you're loved and accepted by all of us. And we trust that it's not just you that's going to do great things, but God will do great things in you. You can drop away these burdens, and you can know and share in, in this family that we have here. So the route and the destination is love, okay? We are called to seek gifts, okay? Desire gifts, church, and especially desire for the building up of this church, okay? Those are the main points today, the building up of the church. And let's pray, and I have some bold prayers for us, so let's, let's bow our heads and let's get into this. Jesus. Jesus.